Hello, hello, my name is Dr. Rachel Gainsborough and I am obsessed with all things short-term rentals, revenue streams, and helping you navigate your career, real estate, and your busiest and most wonderful seasons of life. I'm an immigrant, a pharmacist, a wife and a mom who took one guest room rental and turned it into a multi-property seven-figure real estate business, which has also landed us on TV. I'll teach you the real secrets and everything you need to build a short-term rental business that you love. I discuss the hard topics, mistakes I've made, and the mistakes others have made so you don't have to make them for yourself. Financing, automations, acquisitions, low occupancy, scaling, and building your team all while balancing your life are all subjects to be discussed here. Consider me that one best friend you can come to with your short-term rental business questions. So grab your coffee, get comfortable as you get ready to learn and grow with me. This is the Luxury Short-Term Rental Doctor podcast. I'm super, super excited to have John Bianchi here with us, guys. He's the Airbnb data guy. So I wanted to bring in different guest speakers who would give us some strategies and some ways in order to generate more revenue with our short-term rental properties. Because guess what? Again, we like to own and operate the fewest number of properties that has the highest profitability. And that comes with selecting the right markets, selecting the right properties, and so on and so forth. So we're going to begin with the end in mind. We're not going to just push ourselves into a property that doesn't make sense for us, for our lifestyles, for our life goals, right? Because we know there are different types of investors. So we want to make decisions that make sense. John, introduce yourself to the people. Awesome. Appreciate it. Really excited to be here. Love, love doing this. And I love being able to speak to your audience and share every all this knowledge. So a little bit about me. I've referred to as the Airbnb data guy. And the reason being is because all I do every single day is Airbnb data. So I'm going to give a little bit of like my resume so you understand exactly who I am, and where I'm coming from. But right now I'm the head of data of a company called Superhost Labs. It's also referred to as TechFester. It is my job to analyze every single property across the entire United States. So every single market that we could potentially be going into and then figuring out uh, what property within that market can make the most amount of money and how to maximize the revenue out of each individual property. Super Labs has raised almost like $25 million in the past year. And we've bought like uh, about 60 properties, probably end off the year around 70 properties. And so it's my job to determine where all that money is going to go and ensure that every single property cash flows. And so it's quite a task and it's a lot of fun, love doing it. And it's all Airbnb data all day, every day. And then on top of that, I've also built up and sold an Airbnb arbitrage and management company out of Chicago. I also have an Airbnb data consulting business, which is referred to as Point Analytics. And then on top of that, I have three free courses on YouTube about Airbnb data that you can learn literally everything that I do on a day-to-day basis to be able to get a profitable property. So it's all free. It's on YouTube. You can go through it. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to me as well. But that's my quick resume there and my credentials and why I know I, why I'm able to speak with you because <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Absolutely. I've had the great pleasure of working with John a few times on my own property analysis, as well as analysis for members inside of LSA. What comes with the program is actually a free property analysis, actually market analysis for each of our members. So if you're coming in and you're wondering, well, where should I invest? What markets should I invest in? What's the next best market? What's going to work for me? That is a question that I have been getting over a year. And that's why I launched 75 Gems. But also to get a little bit more laser focused on the market, I brought John in. Like I tell members of my community, I'm like an eight or not. I would say a seven and a half or eight when it comes to market analysis. But John does this all day. This is what he does. He's not wearing... 30 different hats as it relates to short-term rental investing. So if this is all he does, I want to bring in the 10, right? And so John, I just can't thank you enough for being one of the coaches inside of our community, as well as for providing that market analysis for members inside of the community as well, which has been such a help and additional resource in their tool belt as they're looking to leverage strategies to get into that rental as soon as possible before the year is up. I'd love to be able to. For sure. <laughs> I'd love to be able to give a quick demo of that too, so people can actually see what that's like. Because I feel like hearing a market analysis is one thing, but seeing it in action is like a completely different thing. And I've got one loaded up here right now that I'd love. To oh, quick... you do! Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Take it away, then. What are we looking at? 
Sure thing. So uh, this is actually the market analysis that you provide to everybody that works with you, right? So I just want to give a quick walkthrough of why this is so valuable and how it's so useful. So this is a it, this is Phoenix, Arizona, and it's a report that I've worked on, right? My objective working with everybody is to help them know exactly how much a property is going to make before they buy the property, right? Which is what I refer to as that top line number. How much is this property going to make? That's the hardest number to figure out when it comes to Airbnb. On top of that, where is the best place to buy, right? And then how do I maximize revenue out of that home? And so this whole report here in this process, I'm going to walk through it real quick, gives you those answers, right? So we're looking at Phoenix, Arizona. And on the left-hand side, what you have are all the different zip codes in Phoenix, Arizona. And they're in order of where the most listings are to where the least amount of listings are. And then on top, what you have are the different unit sizes. So a studio, one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, so on and so forth. Where those two connect is the average annual revenue for an Airbnb in that area. So a one bedroom within this zip code is making about $28,000 a year on average. Some are doing a little better. Some are doing a little worse, right? The way you use this is you just simply look for the biggest number. Wherever the biggest number is, is likely where the most money is being made, where you can likely cash flow the most, right? And so a great example here is a two bedroom within this zip code makes about $34,000 a year, but a three bedroom makes $90,000 a year. So very quickly, you're going to be looking at three bedrooms, not two bedrooms, very automatically, right? And then on top of that, you can see the four bedrooms and the five bedrooms all roughly do really well. There's no real big jump between the three and the five bedrooms. So the three bedroom is likely going to be the best thing that you can purchase in this area. From here, right? Once again, this is the tip of the iceberg. So now we've identified that out of the 40 plus zip codes in Phoenix, we know exactly where to go and what unit size to be focusing on. From here, what you would do is you would hover over this and click show details. And that's gonna pop open all of the four bedrooms within that specific zip code and all of the data on those four bedrooms, right? So every single row that we're looking at here now is an Airbnb listing. That's an Airbnb, that's another one, that's another one. And then we have all the different data points. And then what the most important data points that we have is the annual revenue and the actual listing itself. And so as you can see here, we've ordered them from who's making the most to who's making the least. And this is my favorite thing about data is that you can find an actual pattern or trend in the data. And this is how you know it's repeatable, right? So the logic that we use here is called the Burger King logic. McDonald's spends millions of dollars to figure out a corner to be on and Burger King opens up across the street, right? And so essentially what we're doing is we are just replicating what's already working. And as you can see, there's clearly about five to six homes here that are all doing around $100,000. And so what you do is you go through each one of these to understand exactly what key features and amenities and what their home looks like that's allowing them to make that amount of money. And then eventually you come up with a straight up buy box of if I have all of these things, I can make between $100,000 and $140,000 a year. And then on top of that, you know where you can actually buy that as well. And so it gives you a, a buy box and it tells you exactly what you need to be buying and it allows you to narrow down where within a specific market is the absolute best thing to purchase. And so this is with, it comes along with your product, right? Which is pretty awesome. So just wanted to give everyone a quick breakdown of that before going into it. So they know that what that is. And like I said, it's better to actually see a true walkthrough of it rather than just saying market analysis. So good. So good. Thank you so much for sharing that. John, the numbers that you were just showing there, John, is this showing gross ROI and how are you getting that data? So it's, yes, it is gross. So it's gross numbers and it also includes cleaning fees. So nightly rate and cleaning fees. And I have a program that allows me to extract the data and take all that information and put it into a raw data for a data sheet. And then from there, I clean up the data, sort it and organize it into the format that you're seeing. Awesome. Awesome. So guys, the resources are out there. The information is out there. And so what I absolutely love, love, love about this resource is getting the mystery taken away from the process. It shouldn't be mysterious, right? Data is king. Data to me is a new currency. So data is king. So thank you again, John. I just absolutely love having you as a part of our program, our insider program, where we can actually go in and navigate some of these markets to understand, well, what properties are generating that type of revenue, as well as what are the specifics about the property? I love how you say you create a buy box. Okay. I am looking for a house with a hot tub. That is a three bedroom. You can narrow it down. It's no longer longer 
woo woo, right? I'm just looking for a house in this area, right? We're going granular and there's that opportunity for value add too. say you find a really house, a great property, but it does need that hot tub. Then, okay, I'm going to have to go ahead and budget out for that. How are you cleaning that data? So that's, we're getting into some proprietary stuff, John. So the first thing you have to ask is what's clean data, right? And this is for anyone who's using AirDNA or any of the other data providers out there. You first have to ask yourself, what do you consider good data, right? And good data is anybody who is a full-time Airbnb host over the past year. So they're actually doing this full-time. They're not just putting their home up for the weekend, what they put up for the summer or whatever it may be. They are fully doing this throughout the entire year as a business, okay? We need that person to exist first. And then on top of that, the data gets tracked every single day. So every single day, the calendar gets recorded. And then the following day, you go back in and record it again and record it again. You do this every single day for over 250, 300 plus days, right? And once you do this long enough, what ends up happening is you get the actual annual revenue number or very close to it, right? And so by having somebody who is full-time Airbnb or who's not taking down the listing at any time and tracking the calendar over and over again, you eventually come up with what the annual revenue number is. And that's what we consider to be good data. So good. Thank you for answering that, John. So for those sitting in the back, I want you to reiterate one more time. So are you telling us that AirDNA has data for people who have properties that are just listed for two or three weeks and then it's yes. we're using that to make our decision is that what you're telling us john help us yes. out yes 100 percent. about 80 to 90 percent of the data on air dna is bad data ah! like across the board is bad data and the way the fastest way you can figure that out is you can just simply look at the days available and the reviews so let's go, we're looking at Phoenix again. So let's go to Phoenix. And I'm just going to hover over some areas in Phoenix. And I'm not cherry picking. I don't know anything here, right? So let's go look at this place right here, right? This place says days available for 41 days. That means that it has only been tracked for 41 days. So we can't just take this and times it by almost 10, you know what I mean? Nine and a half. We can't just times it by nine and a half because that's only about one month's worth of data, right? And if you times it, the issue is that last month, because of seasonality, your number is going to be wrong at the end of the year, right? Does that make sense? Whereas if you find another property that has been tracked for over 250 plus days, that's where you're going to get a lot closer to a true annual revenue number, right? So here's another great example here of a home that's been around, been tracked for 148 days. You can't just double that number because of seasonality, right? Peak season, low season, mid season. We don't know what season they went through and we can't just guess what the rest of the year is going to be like. However, when you get close to over 300 plus days, then you're getting a lot closer to that true number. I'm trying to find some examples here. So here's a good example. Oh, and I lost it. <laughs> so <laughs> see, I mean, this is the issue with not preparing because so here's a good example. So this home's been around for 292 days. It's been tracked by AirDNA for 292 days. On top of that, it has 128 reviews, okay? So both of these things are telling me that this is likely good good data. Now, the reason why I say 128 reviews is important is because if you've ran an Airbnb for longer than a year, you likely have gotten more than 20 reviews, right? That's just how it works. So, but what happens sometimes is some homes have been tracked for 300 plus days, but they only have like five reviews. And so sometimes people just have their listing up and sitting there for that entire time period, but it's not actually running. So another thing I like to do is once I check the reviews, right? Or sorry, once I see that on AirDNA that the data looks good, I then bring it, I open up the listing and I go to the actual reviews and I confirm that there has been a review every single month for the past year, right? And this is going to essentially verify that yes, this is a full-time host and yes, AirDNA has been tracking at that entire time period. Therefore, this number here, this revenue number is likely true, right? And if you do this, say you take like all of the two bedrooms for this example within this specific area here. So all the two bedrooms around here, then you're going to be able to figure out if this number is an accurate number or not, because you're going to start to see some consistency in the data and depending on the quality of that actual listing. So be very, very, very cautious. And one thing I can't stress more or enough is that Rentalizer is a terrible tool to use. Terrible tool. Because I'm sorry if you use it or if you talk about it. Terrible tool because yeah. 80 to 90% of the data that they're using is inaccurate. 
There's a report I'd love to show, which proves how accurate I've been with all of my estimates of how close these properties are, but it's a internal document and I can't just share it on the slide, but essentially I'm batting a thousand. I'm getting it right over and over and over again, that predicting how much these properties are going to make. And then I took all my own predictions and I ran them all through all those properties through Rentalizer to figure out how close Rentalizer was. And half of them were way above and the other half were way below. And there was a handful that was in the middle. So it's about like a 30, 30, 30, right? And the reason I'm explaining this is to say that I'm getting it right, but AirDNA is only getting it right about 30% of the time. And so don't use the Rentalizer tool because it's going to really screw you over. I've met somebody who literally bought a property because they thought it was going to make them $300,000 a year. I evaluated it and it was only going to make them $200,000 a year. And that was a huge letdown for them naturally. You know what I mean? So Anyways, that's that's because good. the investment in something like that is going to be quite high, right? Yeah, a, already. Yeah. yeah, it was very high. Yeah. So. And so one of my go-tos, and guys, like I said, I'm a seven and a half with data. I love data, but I tell my members, step one, welcome to the program. Go talk to John. <laughs> and so I'm okay with being let down because here's the deal, guys. I use rentalizer as a general to get people thinking about numbers, but we don't make all of our decisions that way because we're going to go deep. When money is about to exchange hands, we have to go deep. Rentalizer for me gives me an overview of what a market may look like. But the thing you said about looking at the actual listings, by the time I see all of the listings, John, what I'm finding is in a, a subset maybe of like 30 listings in certain areas, maybe only four of them maybe only four of them qualify for my analysis. It's like exclude, exclude because of what you were just teaching. They they say they've been operational for a year, but there are four reviews. Well, what happened here? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like especially, what am I missing? Especially when you get into luxury, right? So like yeah. luxury, I find luxury to be the hardest data to sort through. And this is all I do, right? Yeah. And I struggle with it because luxury homes, those people have tons of these people have so much money that they don't care about the income coming in. And so a lot of the times you get these people who are just like putting it up for the summer or having somebody else manage it and they're not doing a good job or it's coming up, it's coming down. And like, so the data on these luxury ones is all over the place. It's not reliable. It's not reliable. Now, most of it is not reliable, right? Mm -hmm. More than normal. You still can't find good data within all of that, right? It's just right. more difficult, right. but it's crucial. Even it's more, even more important with the luxury properties, right? Because those yeah. are the ones that cost significantly more. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I want to mention, okay, like, yes, there's tons and tons of bad data. However, AirDNA's data is still some of the best data to be using. You just have to know what to look for, right? So there's, I mean, like any of the data providers, you can use them. You just have to know what to look for. And if you don't know what you're looking for, you can be screwing yourself over, right? So just try your best to learn what to look for. Then once you find that good data, you can rely on it. And I rely on that data all the time. And it's giving me the answers that I need. So anyways. Don't freak out too much. It's still good. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So amazing. Here's how I tell my community to use Rentalizer. Okay. So one of the things that we do is we put in the address, we put in the number of bedrooms, the number of bathrooms, and you know what? Let's do a show and tell. Why not? In the spirit of giving, I'm going to show you guys exactly how I use AirDNA Rentalizer. And since John is teacher... John, feel free to overwrite me and say, Rachel, you have failed. You have <laughs> well, failed the course. <laughs> but I'm going to be honest. I'm going to show you exactly how I use Rentalizer. Yeah. Let's say we were looking at, give me a city. I don't want to disclose people's proprietary information. Uh, Let's say Panama it. City Beach. What about that? Yep, that works. I was going to get, I could give you an address from Phoenix if you want to do that. We can just do this, Panama City Beach. Okay, Rentalizer. It's going to be even harder. Oh, I'm going to need a whole address, won't I? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's give me one second. I've Phoenix got... is such a great and interesting market, I think. What is? PCB? Phoenix. Oh, Phoenix, yeah. Yeah, it's hey, very are... nuanced though, right? Yes, very much so. It is a complex market and there's a lot of different spots. You could be, I mean, I, you could say the same thing about Panama City Beach. Yeah. I've done a absolutely. lot of research there as well. It's a difficult one. Some markets mm -hmm. are so easy to analyze and some are just unbearable. 
Right, exactly. Okay, so guys, here's how I use Rentalizer if you just want to get a basic idea of a market. Okay, so here's Phoenix. This says it's a four bedroom, two bathroom. And for the guest count, here's how I evaluate it. I do anything from three to four individuals per bathroom is how I determine my guest count. In general, of course, regulations, septic tank, depends on what's going on in that market may come into play, okay? So that's what I do, three to four per bathroom. So I have two bathrooms. So three would be anywhere from six to eight guests per bathroom. However, if the space have a, has a larger footprint, can I put vanities in the room, makeup stations, all of that? You can take that into consideration as well, okay? Here's my next step, guys, no lie. What do I do with annual revenue? I 1,000% ignore it. I 1,000% average daily rate. I only look at the occupancy rate. That's mm -hmm. what I use Rentalizer for because people are saying, well, what, like, so no Rentalizer. I actually use it. I want to see... If a market, if someone comes to me, John, and they're struggling, they're like, I'm not getting any book bookings, and I just want to throw it in here real quick. If I see a 27% occupancy rate, I'm going to be like, you know what I mean? So oh, it tells cool. me that the big attraction is maybe a tractor supply. No lie. There is a tractor supply. That's the only thing that was there, and there was nothing else, and that tells me that the market... Is that one that we're seeing a lot of travelers? My goal is to see an occupancy rate of 50% or higher, 49%. I can zhuzh it up. That's what I want to see for me to even want to look into the market further. I do not make purchasing decisions off of Rentalizer. I just get a glimpse of, are there people coming to this area? Is this number 100% perfect? No, but it gives me a glimpse. John, overwrite me. Tell me what you think. Am I right? Am I wrong? I mean, I mean, that's, I love that you're not using the annual revenue number. That makes me happy because I, that number is wrong. I already know that. Um, <laughs> I already know that. that. Yeah. I knew that if guys, if you're using it for annual revenue, absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> so, so that's, it's very interesting because you're saying like, if there's over 50% occupancy, then therefore there should be demand within the area and you will get booked, right? Possibly. Possibly. What I'm saying is what I'm interested, I want to look in further to see what the properties are, who's performing and so on and so forth. I'm interested. But if it's 20, 27% occupancy, I'm not even looking. I'm not interested. So that's where I'm at. But overwrite me. Tell me well, what you think. So it's, I mean, it makes logical sense, which I love, right? That's, <laughs> you, there's a process behind it. My, what, I, why I find it interesting is because pretty well every single evening I'm getting on phone calls with people and they're saying, I don't know what market to go into. Can you help me select the market that I should go into? Right. And so I've never used AirDNA and looked at the occupancy to determine what market that they should go into. And the reason being is because I always tell people, pick a market that you're going to want to be in, right? Because you're going to have to go there at least once a year, usually, right? Maybe more. And so I say, what place would you enjoy to go to? Right. And then generally people have a place in mind that they've gone to, or they like to go to, or something along those lines. And that place that they choose, they tend to know way better than I do. And so they have a good idea if it's going to be like a good spot or not. They know if they, they have a general idea that there's demand in that area or not. Right. And it's very rare where they show me a place that, that when I pulled up on air DNA, it's only got like 10 listings or something like that, right? Those places will scare the crap out of me because there's not a lot going on there. And it's like, well, is there any demand here? Do people care, right? To come here. So majority of the time when people are picking markets with me or I'm helping people pick markets, they're giving me these general areas like Phoenix. I would never think to look at occupancy just because I know that Phoenix is an area that has thousands and thousands of listings, which means it definitely has a lot of demand coming in. And as long as you can put together a listing that's better than the vast majority of them, you will get booked before all of the worst listings. And so that's kind of the way I teach people. It's like, if it's a high demand area, just put together the best listing, forget about the occupancy because I, that's, and that's, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that's how no, I No, that's so good. No, that's so good. And I learned from every single interaction that we have. I tell you that all the time, John. So that is so good. I think oftentimes, and I have a lot of members of the community who are looking to manage remotely and some of the areas that they're bringing up are areas that I may not be familiar with. They're not asking about Phoenix. To me, right. it makes sense <laughs> obvious. If someone asked me about Panama City Beach, I wouldn't even pull this up at all. But I have some obscure locations 
things that pop up. And even yep. if Phoenix had 30% occupancy rate at one point, I would say, no, something's wrong. The tool is broken, obviously. At the end of the day, you're right. You still need to use your own personal experience. Like if someone sees a 20% occupancy rate, but they know this is an area that is booming, that they go to, everyone's going to, yes, always use your own sins and in your gut as well as a, as one of the, I would say the one of the tools, but not the end all be all because I like, I do, I like numbers. I'm a spreadsheet yeah. girl. I'm not gonna lie. I like my numbers. <laughs> oh my gosh. But so good. So good. But you're looking again, you are looking at areas that are very much so well, well established sometimes I think, but what about some of the obscure areas? Like, do you ever run into like some weird rural area places that just you've never heard of? And I know you're in North America, but I know you're North, North. So sometimes you're probably encountering places that, okay, I've never heard of this. Yeah. So it's interesting, right? Cause like, I actually had this one client who sent me properties like all the time. This is when I used to I had more time on my hands than we, and I used to, people would send me properties and I'd evaluate them for them and tell if it was be good or bad. Right. And he was really looking for like a remote cabin that he could take on. And so what I was doing was he was give me the location. And then I would go through the data and I would try and let him know if it would be profitable or not. Right. And sometimes there'd be like 10 to 50 listings in those areas. And so it was almost like next to nothing, but what I kept coming across. Okay is I would come across a really good listing in a super remote area and it would be making way more than everybody else, right? And so this is, so what I realized what by doing this over and over again was that there was sort of a build it and they will come sort of thing going on here, right? Where if, even though there's not a lot of demand in this very remote area, if you put together a superior listing that is, has like a seclusion to it, you know what I mean? Or views or very appealing in some sort of way, you can get the demand for those listings, right? But when you look at it at a high level, when I see a place that only has like 50 listings, I'm like, if I don't know that place intimately, I'm probably not going into it, right? So that's where it's like, you, I want you, I would want you to have that local knowledge to be like, no, people will come to this, right? They're, they'll mm-hmm. come to it because of these caves down the road or something, you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> if you don't know that, right, you have to go through the data to make sense of it. You yeah. really, you just do, right? So- and then so good so true oh my gosh yes but like at the same time you also have to play with the times right so like when as I was saying that one thing that I was worried about when I was saying it is that those homes might have only been doing really well because of COVID they were super remote but they might have only been doing really well because of COVID right because everyone was trying to get away from the cities and this summer the second tier cities like Louisville just like skyrocketed in their profit, right? Every single city skyrocketed in their profit. Every single remote area dipped like crazy. And so that's just simply because people were willing to go into cities again for the first time in two years. And uh, we were going into the first summer without COVID, right? And so everyone was like, yeah, let's like, let's go to these places we haven't been in a while, right? And so everything was, demand was crazy for those cities. So what I'm trying to say here is like, if you're following a trend, you might get crushed in a year or two when that trend changes. But if you are just trying to be really strategic and create an immersive experience in a place that, you know, maybe doesn't have a lot of demand, but you can put together a listing that just gives people all of the amenities and features and stuff that they care about and make them want to go to your listing over any other place, like your listing is the destination, then you can win, right? You can always win that way. So that's my take on that which is kind of a long answer, but all my answers. Oh, so good. So good. And I feel like, honestly, I can talk to you all night about this stuff. This is the juicy stuff, guys, we have on the inside. If not Rentalizer, what tool do you suggest? So again, I shared with you Rentalizer, my overall thought process around the percentage, the occupancy percentage, but John kind of overwrote me. He says that you need to kind of understand the market. So John, here's why some of the members of our community may not understand the market. Some of them may live in areas that are cost prohibitive for them to invest in SCRs. Some of them may live in areas where there are regulatory restrictions. So they're wholly dependent on the data. They live in say California or New York and they just say, I just have this budget and I'm looking for a property to generate this amount of revenue anywhere. 
And so they may not be familiar. And I love your approaches. What is an area that you like, but what if the area that they like is Rosemary Beach? And that's <laughs> going to be, we all like Rosemary Beach, but yeah, yeah, we all know yeah. how much that is. So, so not having that, how would you, what would some of the first steps be to approach that from overall? And I know there are some tools out there, recommendations from different data sources. How would you approach that? So the biggest mistake that people have, or the biggest misconception that people have when it comes to data is believing that data is only numbers, right? Data is just information. You're just gathering information. Half the time when I'm going through data, I'm just going through photos and trying to figure out if the place has a hot tub or not. You know what I mean? And that's what's referred to as data. You're just collecting this information and trying to make sense of it. And so if you're going into an area, obviously the first thing you're going to be doing is like, okay, I can afford this place. And it looks like there's some demand. Then you have to start really doing your due diligence, right? If you don't know the place at all, but the numbers look good, don't just go off the numbers. Like I would be calling a local and being like, Hey, like, like a local Airbnb or finding a local Facebook group, reaching out to an air, like direct messaging an Airbnb host in that area and being like, Hey, can I pay you a hundred dollars to talk to you for an hour? about your experience in this area. Like, what are you feeling? What is it like? Can they'll have a pulse on that market? Mm. They know what people are going there. Like, that's what we do. When we go into markets that we don't know, we will call up the expert. We'll call up a property management company and we'll ask them to tell us everything about that market. Like, what do people care about? Who are the people going there? Why do they go there? When are they going there? When's the high season? When's the low season, right? One of my favorite ones is that we called up this person in Branson and they told us, they're like, if you're going to get a place here, you absolutely need an upstairs living room for the adults and a downstairs living room for the kids. If you do not have that, you will not get the bookings that you want to get and you're going to miss the numbers, your targets. And the reason being is because it's just such, there was a few other things too, but that was one of the biggest ones. And the reason, the reason for it is because it's this, it's a very strong family market and the the adults need to hang out and the kids need to hang out. (laughs) Right. And then on top of that, I get it. Look, I get it. Yeah. And so the, and so on top of that, and this is one of my favorite things. And like, it's uh, people know about game rooms and like maybe putting a pool table into a room, right? What you need to realize is that you need the kids to stay in that room for a really long time. So you can't (laughs) just have a pool table. They're going to get bored. You can't just have a foosball table. They're going to get bored. Same with ping pong table. You need a gaming area and a couch with a TV. You need both those things in the exact same room. And if you have both of them, they will be able to hang out in there for hours and hours, right? And so that's what's going to kind of allow them to hang out there while the parents hang out upstairs. And and the, the reason I'm saying that's so important is because all of the homes that are doing really well have both of those things in their game rooms. They have the couch with the TV and they have the seating area. And I can I can prove this within seconds. I can pull something up. But the way I figured this out was in Kissimmee, Florida. Yes, remember that. (laughs) Yes, the number one market in America, the most competitive market in America. If you're winning in Kissimmee, Florida, you are hands down doing something right. And I found a trend of these people creating these game rooms. And in the game rooms, it wasn't just a pool table. It had the pool table, foosball table, and a living setup. So if you take this knowledge of Kissimmee and you apply it to every other family market across the entire United States, you will beat all the other people with your game room in comparison to everybody else's. And I think that's like one of the, I, I totally went on a completely different tangent than- No, it's that, so good. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. good. I mean, I love when we were deep diving that Kissimmee, we deep dive all the way to the lighting. Yes. Right? Remember that? Uh, we were talking about the lighting. Guys, it, he gets this detailed. It's ridiculous. And so it, I absolutely love that. I want to, I got to give some, a couple of examples. I feel like I went off a little bit on a tangent, but. No, no, you did not. Give the people what they want. Give them what they <laughs> want. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I've been hiding you for too long, John. I didn't want to put you out there. I was like, I'm <laughs> keeping him to myself, but that's called selfish energy. And there's no time for stingy energy. Okay. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, guys. If gonna... you were, look, if you were multitasking, come back to me because John is about to spill the tea. This is the secret sauce. Go ahead, John. Yeah. All right. Awesome. <laughs> love it. So this is, I was just talking about the game rooms and like how important these game rooms are. And I can't stress this enough. I, once again, I can pull up these a report on Kiss Me and all the data on Kiss Me. These are the homes at the very top. And when I explain this, right, there's eight bedrooms in Kiss Me that make like $60,000 a year because they don't know what they're doing. And there's four bedrooms in Kiss Me that are making $120,000 a year because they know what they're doing. This home here is making $120,000 a year, right? As a four bedroom, that's insane. 
But the thing is that this game room is an immersive experience for the kids, which is the exact same idea as Disney. Disney, when you walk into Disney, it's a complete immersive experience. If you create that exact same thing within the listing, then it gives these kids a, an immersive experience. That's why everyone loves Disney, right? And so as you can see with this home, with this game room here, every single last piece of it is covered with something. The only thing missing is the floor should be covered with something, right? But you can even get, you can see that the neon lights behind here, the way that these kind of drop down, the fact that this has the living space and a couple of different game areas is what makes this a place where kids can hang out for hours and hours, right? Which is what makes it such a nice place. On top of that, it's also very immersive. Here's another one and another great example of a home that's making a ton of money. You got the neon lights, you have a couple of tables and you have the lounge area as well, right? And then once again, another one, more that more games than the other places, another big mural as well, and then another gaming area. So it's like, or TV area or whatever it is, but this is, I love this so much. I can't like geek out on enough. Take a, take your garage and put your, make your garage look like this. Insulate your garage, do whatever you got to do with it. Put in a, a, an AC unit if you have to put an AC unit in there and just make it look like this. If you don't have an extra living room, that's how you can win as well, right? Now this here, I'm going to change it up real quick from game room to something completely different, but it's just along the same idea of creating an immersive experience. I can't stress this enough. And especially going into the recession, as things are going to be getting more and more difficult, and especially as oversaturation comes into play, the people who are going to be winning are the people who are creating immersive experiences, right? And like those things are scary, but if you know what you're doing, like at the fund, we're not feeling any hurt right now. Just so you guys know, everyone's talking about how they're getting hurt with bookings. We're not feeling anything. And so it's because we've created these really great experiences. So anyways, here's an example of a home and it's a four bedroom within a certain place in Scottsdale. And you can see they put down the mural, which looks awesome. They have turf over here. They have the hanging lights. They've got this deck area here. On the inside, they have a mural that matches the outside. The kitchen obviously is nice and new. The furniture is kind of well put together. It's nothing like too extreme, but it's nice. Obviously, the photos have been taken really well. All this is like, it's great. It's good. It's well put together. This is what you call like a good listing, right? It's done well, right? This home here is making about $120,000 a year, which is a ton of money to be making as well, right? Now, this home here that I'm going to show you next is right down the street. It's also a four bedroom. And it's making $80,000 more with the exact same type of home, okay? Because it created an immersive experience. So this home's making $200,000 a year with the exact same type of home, which is absolutely insane. But if you go through these photos, it has created an experience for people. The way that it's put together, all the pink and every single last detail is thought through. It's got the same size backyard. It's got everything is pinked out. There's like hue colors going on with the photos. The way the photographer took these photos, it tells a story. On top of that, they know exactly who their ideal clients are and they put them in the photos so that people, when they're going through it, they can see themselves with their friends. They're now envisioning it in their head as they're going through everything. And it's just, this is what wins. Like you, it's, it, I can't express this enough. This just wins over and over again. That last listing is nice. This one is a professional listing. This is the next level. This is like the top tier, right? But the thing is that it's like a 2% difference from the first one to this one. It's just taking it a little bit further because this one has the murals on the inside. The other one had murals on the inside too, right? But they did a little bit, they did everything a little bit better. And because of that, they make $80,000 more than them, right? So $200,000 a year. And it's just like, it's stuff like that I geek out on every single day because in the data, you can very clearly see these little changes make huge differences in the amount of revenue you make. And I guarantee you that person's just going to keep making money year over year. So anyways, immersive experiences, if that's one of the biggest things you can take away from this, just think about Disney. What does Disney do and apply it because it works. Those were some of the juiciest gems. And what a difference. I mean, the first place was nice. It was nice enough. But the second place was, whoa. And what I love about it is I want the guesswork to be taken out. And I love the way you map things out, even inside of the coaching, you map things out. You said, these are the four components. It's no longer, oh, it looks nice. It's literally documenting specifically mural on the inside themed. The photography was a game changer, throwing in some actors and actresses. Yes, it's going to be a cost to start it, but you're telling me a $60,000, $80,000 difference? Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth investing yeah. into. Come on, let's go. And this is the same property. And when you look at the property from a realtor's perspective, 
such and such bedroom, school district, blah, blah, blah. That, that's no longer applicable. That is not STR. We're not looking at school districts. We're not looking at size of closets, right? We're not looking at that. We oh. are looking at, did I create an experience? Did I create a wow factor? And so I think that's so interesting. Guys, would you do an over-the-top listing in a rural area? Go ahead, John, talk to us. Would you do an over-the-top, over-top listing in a rural area? Talk to us. Yes. So this is actually the next thing. So yes, I would do over-the-top absolutely anywhere. And this is actually something that I forgot to mention. It was going to be my next point anyway. So this leads perfectly into this. That pink home would not do well in a lot of markets, right? Because it's a way over the top listing. But the reason it works in Scottsdale is because bachelorette parties is one of the biggest things for that specific area. And so what they've done is they're now thinking like a business, right? They're now thinking like a business. It goes, who's my client? Who do I want to attract? Who's going to be paying the most to be staying at this home, right? And then what they've done is they've done everything to target that specific person and get them to book the home, but at the same time, making it so nice that they, they won't, they'll they pay more to stay at that home because it's going to give them a better experience for the trip that they're going to be going on and what they're going to be doing with all their friends, right? Now, if you're going to be going into a rural area, you just have to know what your clientele is in that area, right? What I love is I've been seeing, there's like a, this is a, going to be a terrible way to explain it. There's like a granola, granola girl style there's like a certain kind of look that is sort of like a woodsy someone who likes to go hiking a lot kind of like uh i can't remember what the name of it is but there's a certain color or style that works really well for like mountain areas and every single time i see a house that's put together extremely well in that style it's making more than everybody else right and it's in a very rural area and because what they're doing is they're going hey you want a cabin in the woods well, I'm going to overdo your experience in the cabin in the woods. I'm going to make it feel really like a cabin in the woods, like something you'd see straight out of a magazine, right? And then you see that those homes are doing better. And then you just take that logic and bring it to Panama City Beach. What do people want there? They want to go to the beach. They want Florida. Make it look like Florida just puked in there, right? In like a, in a beach theme way. And then there, people are going to have that immersive experience inside there. And you just apply it to any market that you're going into. Do you want to focus on, do you want to focus on families? Do you want to focus on bachelor parties? Do you want to focus on bachelorette parties? Are you focusing on like business people? Like what is it? It's, I mean, it's the same idea as adding a desk to a one bedroom in the downtown of Detroit. You know what I mean? Like, because the person staying there is probably going to be working off of their laptop every once in a while. You're just, you're thinking of your client, you're thinking of exactly what they want and you're giving it to them. Right. And then you go a little bit over the top and that's about it. So Pretty straightforward, <laughs> super easy. And that's, and that little extra, that zhuzh, a little over the top guys is what's responsible for that gross increase in revenue, right? And that's why I love short-term rentals. You cannot do this in a long-term rental market. Unfurnished long-term rentals, the price is the price. I could maybe change to granite countertops and now I can increase the price a little bit, right? Stop going in and throwing together grandma's old furniture, unless that's the theme, right? If grandma's not the theme, let's not do that. It's not going to work. We need to set ourselves apart. This is how we generate revenue with the fewest number of properties. It's not time to go and buy another one and buy another one, buy one. Optimize what you have because you can make something really special out of it, right? And so that is my gift to you guys. I want you all to think this way, to to just open your mind, expand your minds. Those two properties, same footprint, but a whole different vibe, a whole different vibe, but understanding what it is that the market is looking for. And so beach property, bachelor, that's bachelor property on overdrive. And it's those weird things that really generate the revenue. I saw a Barbie house, all pink. Would I want to live in the house? No. That's our house. Oh, really? Yeah, it's our house. Yeah. Oh, we, my gosh. I told, them, I told them to paint the cabinets pink because, and it kills it. <laughs> so that was, that's us. That's us. Would that make sense for a realtor? Like pink cabinets? No, absolutely not. But this is the beauty yes. of short term rentals, is why I love short term yeah. rentals. You have a buyer, as long as you know who the buyers are in that market, yeah. there's a buyer for that property, right? Exactly. Well, um, and the thing is, is like, are you planning you're turning it into an airbnb you know you're going to have it to run as an airbnb for years why do you care if you do that you know what i mean like yes it's got a crazy move to do and like you would never want it in your own home but if you're just going to be there for three days and you're going to be with on a bachelorette party like 
that's perfect. You know what I mean? It fits the theme of what the weekend is supposed to be or the week is supposed to be or whatever it is, right? So it makes sense for it to be like that. Anyways, yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. I love that. How do you get info on the travelers in a particular market in order to cater to those specific customers? How do you do that, John? I actually don't have a strategic method to that. It's more so just like, I just know all these kind of different markets that I'm going into. Like I have a general idea about them in the first place. So that's not super helpful in this scenario, but you know, like I apply a little bit of logic. So like we have some homes in Panama city beach. I know in Panama city beach, there's not going to be bachelorette parties for the most part going there, especially because we, we got like two bedrooms. And so then if we're not, so if we have a two bedroom and it's in Panama city beach and it's a couple blocks to the beach, then what I'm thinking is we're going to be catering to sort of small families. You know what I mean? Like maybe two kids and a husband and wife or something like that. And so we would then cater the property to match that specific type of person. And because families are always ideal, they tend to pay the most and they take care of the property really well. Right. So in comparison to like five teenagers, so we would try, we, you also want to try to design it to match somebody who's also going to take care of the property. Well, I really don't have a great answer for that. Honestly, I would probably just do research on the entire area, take a look at the way the other listings are designed, try and find the top properties and see the way that they're designed, because that's going to give you a little bit of a hint, right? Like a good example is in Fort Lauderdale or like, which is, or Hollywood, which are both just outside of Miami. What I see happening a lot is the homes that have like the Miami vibe, like the really everything is white in there. You know what I mean? Those actually tend to do a lot better than some of the other ones because they're create they're giving a Miami vibe to people who are staying just outside of Miami. So you would just don't like read articles, like look at Airbnbs and try and learn more about that place in general. Maybe just even just type that into Google. Who are the people that travel to X location? Awesome. Awesome. I echo exactly what you're saying, looking at other listings as well, John. And what I found at some of the other listings, especially as you're doing that guerrilla research to look at what the reviews are saying, sometimes you get a clue, right? I often see something along the lines of, you know what, I came here to visit family or I came here for such and such season or leaf watching season or football season or something or training season and you start to get a subset of who's traveling for what if there's a big convention center there obviously there's going to be maybe travelers for events large events and things like that so those are some of the things that I've noticed in some of the guerrilla research that we've done inside of our courses read the comments they'll tell you what they're there for sometimes right like there's a the chance that you'll get a good subset of oh we're there for here for a bachelorette party and this place is great bachelorette party jot it down right (laughs) yo you know what's still i think one of the craziest like data research projects that i've done and i've done a lot of of them so this one i think is still like the craziest one they did but was extremely beneficial so this is when i only had four properties back in like 2017 and i had a whole bunch of reviews off these four properties and i was trying to figure out like who's paying the most, who's taking care of the property the best. I had a bunch of now reviews, which is data that I could then try and figure that out. And so I literally took every single review off and I put down like what their name was, what they looked like in the photo, what their review was, the reason that they said they were coming for. And then I would try and find them on Facebook and learn like what job they had. I looked up their Airbnb profile, trying to figure out where they came from. And I did this for each, all four of the properties, right? And the craziest thing about this, and I still like, can't believe it, but I had one property that was, had like a game room and it was a really fun, cool looking place. And I had tons of people who were musicians and artists that were staying at that place. Then I had another one, had a bunch of symmetrical photos, like throughout the entire place. There just happened to be a bunch of symmetrical ones. And I had a bunch of like accountants and engineers that were staying at that place. Right. And then the last place was very like light blue, very girly, very like inviting and all these kind of things. And that place had a bunch of groups of women that were staying there like bachelorette parties right and what i ended up realizing was that the people who were paying the most and giving the best reviews and like not interacting with me as the host like just kind of handling everything themselves were the bachelorette parties and so i was like i'm just gonna target bachelorette parties from here on out and i literally wrote in the bottom of every single one of my descriptions bachelorette parties welcome bachelorette gatherings welcomed i didn't put parties gatherings welcomed and almost every single weekend for all of the properties we're getting booked out for bachelorette gatherings moving forward 
over the peak season. So it was just like, it was such an interesting research project. And then it made my next summer so much more profitable. So know your target clients like big time. Oh my gosh. So good. So good. So it's so worth it to do some of that initial research. I love this stuff. Oh my goodness. Here's what I love about the information. It's almost like open source, right? That information you just shared is free. Like you just, just, you became a cyber stalker a little bit. (laughs) What you got to do. I've had to do that. I actually went on LinkedIn to look up a few people to see, this seems a little weird, but it might be legit, but it might not be. They're saying that they're, and except for Amazon, I went on LinkedIn and I found them and said, oh, okay, this is legit. Cause it was a little bit outside of the norm. I go on social if I have to take a peek. So that's one of the things that we do, but this was so good. Oh my goodness, guys. You have no idea how grateful I am for joining me and just coming in and and getting the data because this is really the data that you need to be confident. I want to demystify knowing the numbers. It's not a mystery, guys. Airbnb has been here long enough that we can extract the data to start making better decisions with how we are operating and how we're investing. So I want to just demystify the data. I want to to make sure that you have the data that you need in order to move the needle forward. John, you can give kind of an outro, let people know how to best find you, how to connect with you or what it is that you have going on because I've kept you a secret for too long. I'm sharing the wealth. I'm sharing you with the world. I'm releasing you out. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So just to start off, it's my goal to ensure that you know exactly how much your property is going to make before you buy it. Like that is the, if you're going to be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on a property, you, you should know how much that property is going to make you. And I want to make sure that you, on top of that, buy the best possible property within your market and know how to maximize the revenue. Right. So the only thing that I really provide are these reports and training on how to understand the reports. You can go to my YouTube channel right now. Just look up my name. I have three free courses on YouTube that will essentially tell you everything about Airbnb data. However, there's also a report that I offer. And the report is the only thing that I sell and that I transact with you, right? Everything else I'm giving away for free. So if you're interested in that, or if you want to hop on a call and help narrow down what market you want to get into, you can reach out to me at hello at pointanalytics.co. Once again, that's hello at pointanalytics.co. Gladly hop on a call with you, answer any questions that you have, and try and figure out if we can get a solution that will help you feel really confident about what property you're about to purchase, how much it's going to make for you. I do this with every single one of Rachel's students. Absolutely love it. I love that you brought me on here. This was a ton of fun. I thoroughly enjoyed it going through all this. And like, I love that you guys are loving this information. It's just data is not super confusing. We're just using the Burger King logic. McDonald's spends millions of dollars to figure out a corner to be on and Burger King's open up across the street. That's all we're doing. We're just replicating what's working, right? So once again, reach out to me if you want. Hello at pointanalytics.co. And thank you, Rachel, for having me on here. Appreciate it again. Awesome. Thank you, John. So guys, that was so good. I love you guys to the moon back. You have no idea how grateful I am that you are with us. I just cannot thank you enough. I cannot wait to see you next week and all my best. Bye for now.